Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to Souls Undressed. I'm Tori Rinkovich, your host. But today's episode has a very, very, very special and handsome guest, my husband, Mr. Andrew Rinkovich. And I'm super excited to dive into an episode with him finally. We've talked about it for a long time. Um, well, as long of a time as it can be when I just started the podcast in March, but you get my gist. We are diving into a Q&A full of questions that were submitted by lovely humans like you. You might have just been one of them. You'll have to listen and see. Uh, that were submitted on Instagram through stories. So if you're a listener and you weren't a part of that feedback, I encourage you to follow along on the Souls Undress podcast Instagram page so that you can give your feedback, whether it be on podcast input or different topics, feedback, types of questions to talk about specifically for different topics, etc. So Today, I'm going to read you the quote, and because Andrew picked it, he's going to fill us in, Um, and then I'll give you a little rundown of the episode before we dive into it. So, without further ado, our quote. To acknowledge the becoming of something new means to acknowledge the metamorphosis from something that once was to something different that now is. In order to fully step forward into something new, one cannot be gripping tightly to any pieces of once, of what once was in the past. Without actively releasing the old, one cannot actively evolve into the new. And that quote was actually written by me, but Andrew didn't know that when he picked it. So it was actually really cool when he picked it. I was like, wait, that was mine. Um, so, Andrew, why don't you fill us in on why you picked that quote for our episode? Also, you can say hello, everyone. Sorry. Well, hello, everyone. Um, Actually, I picked that quote because we are constantly evolving the relationship that we have and the outlook we have on the world. It's, It's tough to put into words, but you have to be able to shake away what doesn't help build you in this new evolved you which is could be something minor could be something major but you just have to look forward with the positives and shed off what doesn't help you evolve if that's the best way I can put it um and it also it, it made me think um as of one of my own drawbacks that I am a person that cuts all contact with previous groups as I move to the next group. And sometimes you realize that that's not the best thing, but it is a uh, survival instinct that I think most people are innate to. And maybe it's time during one of your metamorphoses to look back and see those old shed relationships and see if you can't build back up on them and revive them with some new vigor and new fire and new outlooks and perspectives. Ooh, that was good. I like that. I was not expecting that. That was like a multifaceted response. Okay, so I just want to let you go kind of what is coming at you. And then we're just going to literally run through the questions. I listed them out, numbered them. I ramble. Andrew 
is really good at talking about things. So I wanted to give us like a little bit of direction. Um, so we're going to answer the questions, give a bit of our own advice um, and our answers to submissions that were sent in. Um, some of it is going to be like just straightforward answers. Other bits, I think we'll ramble a bit more um, because we'll be able to connect to them a bit better. Um, and then for the how can I help segment, we'll just kind of sum up, aka ramble some more, um, about like the general topics that we covered. And then we'll just wrap it up from there. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I didn't write that on purpose like that. But once it was there, I was like, oof. That's gotta Just stay. Go that was good. Yep, you gotta, gotta leave it in there. So we'll catch you on the flip side. Don't that feel real funky, y'all? Listening to the Souls Undressed podcast with your host, Tori Rankovich. If you're ready to bear it all, strip away the stigmas, and get down to business with thought provoking conversations and all the raw reflections to help you ride life's waves, then you've found your one stop shop, honey. It's time to dive into an episode full of endless tips and tricks for the go getter and soulful lover. Welcome back. I've never said that before, but it felt kind of exciting. All right. So question one, what about the other person makes each of you better versions of yourselves? I go first. I don't care. I can go first. Go first. <clears throat> um, the characteristic of you would have to be your unendingly open heart and optimistic view because I am such a cynic mm -hmm. and such a cold-hearted bastard. <laughs> and you have um, reopened what was once scarred and put away for survival, for um, my emotional well-being. I feel that. And I don't exactly extend that to everybody else, but with you... It's open. It's more um, trusting. I feel that. I like that. Um, for you, for me, for you, for me, for me, for you. Um, I would say the part of you that makes me a better version of myself is your... You just have grit like no other human being that I have ever met. So like first and foremost, when I think of you and I think the part of you that like inspires me the most, it's the way that you will not stop or settle until you have followed through on whatever it is that you have your eyes set on. That's not to say that you don't like take breaks to breathe or like to focus on other things. Like if work kicks up and gets busy, but you have so much determination to like see things through that that encourages me to be, like, a stronger-minded person. But I would say as far as being a better person, I mean, come on, did we really expect me just to have one answer? <laughs> um, I think the way that you see me... Wow, that just is going to get real cheesy real fast. But the way that you <laughs> see me, like, 
fully for who I am, even when I am a fucking shit show. Like, I feel like even when my, like, I feel so detached from, like, everything else that's going on because my brain is so overwhelming, you're still able to, like, see me for a strong enough person to draw myself back in while you, with your support. Like, I feel like you are able to give me, like, a there's, like, a belief that you have in me that inspires and, like, pushes me to, like, I find reconnect. a way to make you... I give you a different perspective most of the time than what you're funneling down, I feel. And that opens your eyes to the perspective that you are not worthless, that your mind is telling you these things, that you're not... Um, you're better than what you're making yourself feel. Right. You, like, know you've got really... You're, like, you're really good at drawing me into... The things that you see as strengths of mine or that we see as strengths of mine, but that I'm like blind to in that moment. Definitely. Yay, we did our first one. (laughs) Okay. Do you guys get in little arguments a lot? Okay, so before we dive into this one, I want to say first and foremost that I think the thing that I'm the most excited for about this episode is for people to see and hear that human beings who cohabitate together don't live this perfect life all the time and that people are real raw human beings all the time and that that's going to mean that people don't always talk to each other the nicest or that they don't always get along. But like I think that especially right now and I think that the pandemic is really doing it to people because everyone's isolated so much. But everyone is seeing these reels, and I don't mean, like, the new Instagram reels. I mean, like, the highlight reel that you always hear Instagram referred to as. They, You see all of these, like, picture-perfect things or these people posing for a photo together and maybe you don't have a job right now, but your boyfriend does or your girlfriend does, so they're working all the time and you're not, so you haven't seen them and you already have all these things going through your mind, and then you see other people's highlight reels. I think it's created this huge bullshit idea that everyone has this picture-perfect life except you. So I remembered that this question was in here, and I got so excited coming back from this weekend because I had a really good conversation with one of my little cousins. And I just am excited for us to dive into that because, yes, we do get into little arguments. And I ask what's wrong all the time even if something's not wrong, which I feel like I'm getting a little bit better at. But that is like one of the most triggering things for Andrew is to be asked what's wrong when nothing is wrong. So even something as simple as that creates triggering moments with us on like a regular semi-daily basis. So like... Not semi-daily. I'd say like once every two weeks. Okay. Bi-weekly basis. But like even things as small as like creating problems that don't exist... Ding, ding, ding. But yeah, go ahead. You can answer that question for yourself. I mean, if I was kind of blessed with being the person that didn't get onto social media and I didn't have to look and watch at people's highlight reels, but like this is, it's so bullshit to just think that people are living uh, these picturesque lives day in and day out. There's hard days. There's shittier days there's even shittier days and there's a good day sprinkled in there and 
it's how you react to those days rather than like it just constantly being picturesque for you and it just happens it, it you have to work for things to be good mm-hmm. you can't just be handed these things like you have to dig deep and accept what lies in front of you and not think that there is any short way around it like there is mm-hmm. no short way for anything in life that's what i feel social media is has created like everybody's got this ideal that it just happens for people. Yeah. It's just like falls in line. Mm-hmm. Like it, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You can restart and fall over six or seven times, change your mind. However many times you want. And, and I, sorry, I cut you oh, off. Go ahead. No, you go. Um, you have to just realize that along the line, you're going to, learn little lessons that will change your perception on what you feel is important to you. And you have to learn how to feed that to actually wake up with a smile on your face every day. Actively feed it. Yeah. You have to, yeah, you have to actively choose. It doesn't just occur just because you figured it out. doesn't mean that you're still even making the choices that feed that in your soul. And I think, too, acknowledging, like, if you've ever talked relationships with me, you've heard me say, like, the only difference, like, what being together for eight years with Andrew has taught me is that the only difference between relationships that last eight years and relationships that don't make it past a year and a half or whatever arbitrary number you want to pick is the people who actively chose to continue working at their relationship and the people who decided that this wasn't worth it anymore and they're moving on. That's literally the only difference. Like there are going to be relationships where things come up and you realize, okay, this person isn't my person. This is not something worth continuing on a road toward. But there's going to be people who you feel that with that you're going to have bumpy ass chapters with. You might have a full six months, eight months, a year that's tough. That doesn't make sense that you guys have a hard time getting on the same page on or during where one of you are in one phase of your life and one of you are in the other phase of your life trying to figure shit out. Like there's right, going to we were constantly changing, you know, right. we were constantly in a different phase um, moving forward and it's, you have to accept that that person is going to change a little bit. And you also have to think if those quality changes were what you signed up for in the first place, I guess is the best way to work. Yeah. Like what you're ready to like, what you, whether they still line up with what you want in this life. And I think that, right. Like that was kind of like the same thing, right? Maybe just sounded a little nicer when I said it. (laughs) Um, but I think that that's really the thing. You just have to question like, okay, is, are these changes still something that align with our goals or is this something that maybe it's, it's not a bad thing. Like it's can still be true to the other person. It's just, it comes in that metamorphosis piece. Like we were talking about with the quote, like you have to decide what parts of you you're ready to shed and what parts of you like still align with your mission, I guess. Um, so yes, we do get in little arguments a lot. I also want to say, like one thing I just said to Andrew today while we were making, well, he was doing dishes. I was making dinner. And, um, right now the job that he's on is not super stressful on his mind or physically. 
So, um, but usually they are there. And especially at this time of year, it's so damn hot. Um, so I was saying to him, I'm like, it's, I was like, I'm so happy that you're not in a super mentally or physically stressful job right now or job setting right now, because it's, you get to come home fresh minded. You don't come home angry or stressed out. Like, yeah, you're tired. You're working 12 hour days, but you don't come home just so depleted. And the reason that I had caught myself saying that I kind of like, I was like, why did I just say that out of the blue? But it's because this is usually a time that's really stressful on him work-wise. And when you are working 10-hour, 12-hour days, six or seven days a week, you, when you come home, your energy levels are so depleted. So Yeah, so there's a point in time where you had to accept that, like, I had had nothing to give at right. the end of the day. And that, had to, that was something that until I was able to accept that or until we were able to even, really, until we were able to navigate and communicate that in a way that made sense to both of us, it was a fight. Or it was tension. Yeah. Even if it yeah. wasn't a fight, it was tension. It was like, why the fuck are you pissed at me? Like, why are you so annoyed with my existence right now in your breathing space? Like, that was sometimes what I felt like. I was like, I literally feel like me existing is bothering you. But I needed to accept that it had absolutely nothing to do with me and that he had literally felt suffocated by other human beings all day. And he was finally in his space. Yes, our space, but his space compared to what he had been doing all day. So I think that that's something that's important to take into consideration as far as people listening for couples sakes is to just be aware and be cognizant of what the other person is juggling because every different chapter and phase of every person's life is stressful in a different way and maybe a chapter isn't stressful and then you have to be the considerate person who just kind of buckles down and helps the other person who is dealing with stress but like even with stuff that's getting ready to potentially go on, on with our lives. Like we had to make decisions together because emotionally we're going to be impacted together as a couple. And we have to know, well, because we've been together for so long now, we we know that we have to be ready to take on the stress that is going to potentially pour out into our relationship because of that with someone coming home with more anxiety than normal or someone having a longer day than than normal. So I just think those kind of bits of awareness are really important to just communicating openly. Yeah. Cool. All right. Question three. <laughs> I'm going to let Andrew answer this. <sighs> How do you get a man to not use you? Take the floor, honey. <laughs> uh, and then I'll try to sum up whatever he says in a nicer way. I'll be nice. <laughs> the best way you can get... Uh, you can achieve that goal would be um, setting yourself some standards. In um, yourself or the man? In realistically both. What were you implying when you said it though? Both? No, I was saying in the person, in the, the man. Well, the or, man or the woman. It, yeah. yeah in, the, in the person you're in pursuing. In the person you're pursuing. Um, That's what I thought. You have to be, and, and make it clear as well. Um, what your stance is. <laughs> so, I mean, that's really, you, you just have to be able to set those lines for yourself and don't be uh, willing to succumb to smooth talking. Can we have story time? <laughs> <laughs> We've both been grinning so big while he was saying that. Okay, so we'll rewind real quick. So... Back in like pre us dating times, 
we weren't official or anything yet, you know, the little gray area. Uh, Andrew wasn't so sure what he wanted yet. We'll just leave it at that. Like, we weren't official. It, he was an older guy. I was a younger girl. Like, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket, whatever. So the conversation came down to me being extremely forward <laughs> and just calling him up one day after I had heard some things. And I was like, yo, I don't know where your head's at. I'm not telling you how to live your life. I mean, I probably said it a little differently. But um, I was like, and I'm not telling you what we need to do here. But I am telling you that I am not in this to be your friend. And I'm not going to be your friend if we're not together. So if this feels like what I think it feels like, then, like, we need to not be playing around in some gray area bullshit. And if it isn't, then, like, that's fine. But, like, we can't be friends either. And Andrew was like, <laughs> you're kind of crazy. And I was like, a little bit, but also really straightforward. And he was like, yeah, and I respect that. Uh, I'll get back to you. I don't know. That probably wasn't the conversation. But I don't remember. How it I don't went. either. But he was probably like, damn. And since then, we've always just kind of had the open, like, hey, you knew from the get-go that you were just getting it <laughs> as it came. But I think that that little story is really important as far as holding ourselves and the people that we're spending our time with accountable. Um, and just like Andrew said, you have to have a standard. And my standard was to not be played with. So I just needed him to know. And I wasn't saying that he was playing. But what I was saying is I needed him to know that I wasn't just interested in something casual. I had feelings for him that I knew or I thought I knew were reciprocated, which obviously here we are eight years later. So obviously they were. But I was kind of putting all my eggs into that basket and saying, look, bro, like we're even moving forward or not. But we can't be friends. I just remember saying that. I remember that, that end part. <clears throat> like, like, if, I mean, I, I respect that if we're not going to move forward, but we're also not going to talk. <laughs> right. I was like, you're not, we're not going to just <laughs> speak to each other casually. I don't want to have anything to do with you if you're going to be a jerk. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of our advice there. All right. Four. As two very, oh, I love this question. We both got excited about this one. Maybe excited is a weird word, but as two very different people, one who wears their heart on their sleeve, me and one who's more private your hand hey you know what i do that a lot i have to have an experience over here with myself still when i'm recording this floor sits chats we got it all. okay so one who wears their heart on their sleeve and one who's more private that'd be me see i was just waiting for you to raise your hand um how do you find balance between sharing emotions and maintaining emotional boundaries all right, so story time for me first. Okay. When we were very early on dating, Tori loved to share everything she could. If you about. guys could hear our wedding vows, mine start with talking about how much I talk. <laughs> so let's just start with that, but keep going. And I am, I was a person who was so shelled up. I don't even think I told my friends things about my current relationship status. <laughs> <laughs> so pretty much you told no one nothing. I mean, my parents knew, but like, and my friends probably knew, there. but it's not like I, I didn't put banners out. He's not a relationship status guy on Facebook. Let's just put it that way. I mean, he is now. And we had one of the 
biggest fights. Ooh, that was intense. When uh, some private information was shared with a certain somebody <laughs> I didn't like to begin with. And uh, it kind of set this, it kind of set the standard right off the bat. Like you, you know, we, we had the argument and it was, it was a true argument. It wasn't just like screaming at each other. We were like, I, you, you have to respect my boundaries. Mm-hmm. You have to acknowledge and respect that I don't share things. So if it involves me, mm-hmm. you need to not share it unless I am sharing it. You know, that's where yeah. you, we, you had to, we had. That was to, like my we, very first time of ever like really seeing the repercussions of like sh- sharing things that had to do with other people. Mm-hmm. You're just such a private person. And I, we were pretty fresh into dating. Yeah. I would that say was like it was the first in, six months. I'd yeah. Say. So I really didn't know the depths of your depths. Right. At that but point. it goes back to the arguments thing. Like even right. like we had to have an argument about mm-hmm. it and find a way to navigate it. And there's always a situation that has to trigger it, you know, that's how human nature is. Which is why people say if you're not arguing with the person that you love, you're doing something wrong. No, you're not communicating because you're not, there's no way you're having any sort of emotion behind your conversation if you're just having a talk about the day or the news or or the weather. Or you're only agreeing with each other to keep the other person happy. Pacifying. Yeah. Um, I would also say too... Another thing that's kind of like a situational example for this, um, that we kind of learn boundaries with each other, well, me learning boundaries with him. Really, Andrew's the one with, with, that had a lot of the emotional sharing boundaries. I came from a very Oversh- open book. A lot of oversharing. Like, very unhealthy levels of oversharing. So, for me, it was like, you, I couldn't have overshared, like, to. it was just, it was all natural for me. So... Um, but another thing that I think is important for couples to hear or to think about, um, is when we would have like a disagreement out with our friends, whether we were at a house party or we were at the bar or we were doing something anywhere. Um, if there was a disagreement or I was upset about something or he was upset about something or whatever, um, I learned from Andrew, well, and it's such a good moral concept to learn and to think about, but um, he was completely and 100% against taking up any of our conversations, having any of our conversations or disagreements in front of other people in our friends group or in our family. You could uh, have that initial, like, what caused, what conversation was going to be focused on, and then you would point it out and you got to table that. Like, there is no... Right, you There's have to no choose to responsibly put that in away. having that conversation in front of people because you have it, and you might not even notice it. You probably don't, but that peer pressure or the mm-hmm. mob or mob mentality where you have extra people in the background or showing off or trying, yeah, trying to pump your chest for no good constructive reason other than to try to belittle the person and make your felt self feel superior and that's that's not what a relationship is if that's what your relationship looks like you need to be either a having a very deep conversation with that other person or just scrap that shit and get out i think that there has to be a layer of respect for each other and it's very difficult to take up serious issues or serious disagreements and whether or not you feel it's serious, if it's something that feels necessary to converse about in a, like a nasty way in front of your other people, like it's obviously serious enough for you to talk about. 
I think that you deserve, you you both deserve and your relationship deserves the respect of having that conversation in private where you can maintain the integrity of your relationship. Because as soon as you start dishing out your drama and your dirty laundry in front of all your friends, like you've just shit on that. You shit on those friends. You've shit on the, the, the perspective of your relationship. And sure, you could be somebody that doesn't care, but your friends care and your relationship, like it will impact you. That creates tension that's so unnecessary. It makes people feel like they have to choose sides, which is, it's not their relationship. There is, there are no sides in relationship. There are the people, the couple, like the unit. And, And I'm just going to tell you that like when you're significant other goes back to their friend group their friends are if you have a unanimous decision across all friends that this person is treating you badly or this person is um not respecting you Mm -hmm. that's being said to them and that whether they accept it or not is affecting their perspective on you. Right. It just, it puts other, it, it invites other inputs. It's like putting your, your problems on Facebook. Right. It invites other inputs into the, something that has literally nothing to do Which with everybody else Which is most likely an echo chamber to, get, to begin with. And you're just going to hear. I want you to elaborate for the people what an echo chamber concept when is. When you get the same idea being said over and over and over again from different angles so you mm-hmm. think that your that opinion that specific opinion is stronger than it is because you're inside of a group just hearing people that all the hear same the same thing. thing yeah yes yeah people stop thinking for themselves as much or about the situation as a whole i agree good Ooh, i like that okay number five what has been the most difficult part of living together um this one's probably really easy for andrew finding alone time yeah andrew's just very much he he really likes his like decompression alone time yeah, to I recharge on my game own. to think to process to play with the dot whatever to yeah. stretch. Um, I his brain yeah he just recharges when his brain is quiet or when I can when focus. it's quiet around him yeah. yeah well it's not even that I it has to be quiet I can have background noise it's just that. Not being pulled be away able, from what you're Right. Doing. Yeah. Not having my attention diverted where I, I can focus on how I'm feeling or what thoughts are going through my head, what body part hurts that I'm stretching, that mm-hmm. I need to do, de- you know, You're definitely an in-focus person. Yeah, I am completely introverted. I have been my entire life. Mm-hmm. For me, the most difficult part of living together... There's literally not really. Yeah, but what, like maybe not right now, but. Um. Well, I would say like in just, dis- but it's not really even in living together. I am such like a, a people person and I get so like my energy truly recharges off of Andrew's energy. So I'm like a fucking leech. Um, <laughs> don't worry. I provide my own energy feel too, but um. <laughs> Seriously, I feel like that's, I don't, I'm not somebody who recharges by myself very much. Um, but I, I wouldn't say the most difficult part about living together, but I would say if we were going to go do our like future plans of living in a bus. So like the most difficult parts of living together at that point would be the, the way that Andrew needs that time and space to himself. When we didn't live together, it was natural for him to get that time to recharge because he would go home. He would video game, he'd do whatever, he'd go see his friends on his way home, whatever. 
Um, but when we're here and he, whether we ha have had a disagreement, usually it's when we've had, had a disagreement, it's difficult to give him the space that he needs or wants because I am so the opposite when it comes to when we've disagreed or we yeah, you don't give me a cool about. down period. And a lot of people need that. To and that's have a big, that's a big relationship communication thing. Yeah. yeah. That we've had to, that I've had to learn that we've had to learn how to communicate to each right. other. Yeah. Because I think that people need that who need that time. Don't always know how to communicate that they need it either. Right. Like when you're they, saying things that are, that are, not your normal train of thought. You're just saying them to be malicious and painful and to get them to go away. Like when you're saying, when you're pulling from deep down just to hurt that person, to make them want to be away from you, that's when you need to realize that that's the conversation you need to have. Like you need time. You Like you I just need, need time, time for my yourself. brain to reset. Right. I need time to process this, like the, the rage or yeah. the anger or yeah, the emotion. And I think it's there are so many scene. people like that, right? Like, I think that your anxiety level or even just your energy level gets so high up when people are constantly going and you need that peace of mind and time to, like, regroup that it becomes very triggering. And that's yeah, usually, and like, that before when you take that time to talk to yourself out. and try to figure out, is, is this actually supposed to be making me this angry? Like, am I why truly, is there emotion yeah, why, is, right. why, am I, why am I so worked up about this? What did that person say? Mm -hmm. What Which did that what person do? Yeah. What, to, what you can get when you step away. Yeah. that's And you need that. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people do. And you start realizing when you're starting to be malicious to somebody that you that you truly care about and that you you feel bad for hurting their feelings because that's your defense mechanism. That's your shell that you throw That's your up. get away from me shelf, right? Yeah. And I think it's really good that you said that because I think that there are probably people listening who have a person that they're in a relationship with that, or maybe they're the person in the relationship that does have that defense mechanism of, I'm going to say whatever hurtful thing I can say to push you away from to me so that space. I can create space and get away from what's threatening my peace at this moment. And I think that that, that's another thing that people just assume doesn't exist in these perfect Instagram relationships is that, oh, they never fight. Oh, oh they never rage at each other. Like, Andrew is the kind of person that when I've made it, like, when, and I'm the, I'm like kind of relentless, not kind of relentless. I'm pretty relentless sometimes. Yeah. When I'm like, when my yeah. anxiety gets up, like, the words just keep coming. And I'm not like hateful by any means. I'm just overwhelming. Like, the words vomit literally just end. like doesn't stop. So then those are those moments when he's like, he needs that space. And in the beginning years in our relationship, that's when he would step out and like go for a drive or whatever. And that's something that we worked through. And I was like, bro, like I've got my own trauma. Like I need you to not leave. Like yeah. we can create space within our own home, but like I need you to not physically leave the driveway. Because that was just something that I felt like we, for me to feel emotionally safe when we were having fights, I needed to know that a fight wouldn't result in him leaving and me sitting in an empty house like, wondering when he was going to get home. And I think that's well, that, something that naturally and, happens too. Right. And then you have the person that is leaving you then have to worry about angry driving. Right. Are they safe? Are they going to make it back to me? Did they go to the bar? Are they going to get shit faced because they're mad at me? Not you. That was not you no, in particular, no, no. but yeah, other people. Like, 
I think there's just so many, and if it's late at night or whatever, and, you know, then that creates, do we go to sleep angry and then we don't talk about it? Does one of us have work in the morning? There are just so many things that get avoided when you create that much space. It's just not really, that's not necessary. If you have a relationship that's so toxic that you need that much space between yourselves, I think that there are other conversations and communication routes that need to happen for yourselves to be able to communicate better. Because at that point, that rage level is pretty high if you can't come together. And I mean, I'm not saying in the beginning, because I think in the beginning, until you have that communication, it's just natural. That's how you create the space. But if you can express to each other, hey, this is a boundary for me. Yeah, I would like you to respect this. Right. And then they that still happens. I think that there's going to be more conversations yeah. that will be that will trickle down off of that. Once right. once you realize one thing, it's going to force you to be introspective have, right. on these things that are forcing issues in between your relationship. I think too that that what I like that that piece of communicating about that boundary that is so big. Like and you have to do that in a way that's respectful to the other person's natural boundaries for their own selves, but to say right, like, don't come at the right, other don't person at, aggressively right, or critically, but mm-hmm. saying like hey, you we'll just use the the leaving example just because we've already talked about it. like you leaving and going for a drive right there like that not only puts stress on me, but it also really creates a lot of space in this conversation that like I gives more anxiety. Than, yeah, it than made you feel helpful. abandoned. And, right. And whereas we could, maybe he goes in and games for, he maybe plays two to four games or something. I don't know. We've never <laughs> limited it. That was just a random number. But like he goes in and games until his brain has had time to process and he's emotionally had time to cool off. That means I've emotionally had time to cool off and we can come back together whether it's over making dinner or whether it's sitting in the living room talking, whatever. But prioritizing, giving each other what the other person needs respectfully, but in your own space, and then prioritizing coming back together to have whatever kind of communication. And accept that there's going the, the compromise is going to be somewhere in between what both of you, what either of you desires in full. I desired completely being alone, but off on a walk with the dogs or whatever, literally just away from you as far as I could get. And you desired for me to not leave the driveway. So within that combination, you have to find where each of you is happy, where each of you is able to benefit from that cool down period because you didn't need it and I did, Mm -hmm. but... You then had to experience, you had to deal with it regardless because that's what I needed. Mm -hmm. And I had to deal with not being able to go off and leave you for two hours and cool off and find a way to immediately start thinking about those things, you know, breathing exercises and stuff to bring yourself down off that climactic plateau mm-hmm. where like you're just so angry just and you're fixated on a single thing and a single thing and a single thing and a single thing and then you realize like okay well in the grand scheme of it all I'm kind of an asshole I should go back and apologize or you think or about it and you're like no this upset, I need right? to this be firm valid. on this this is where I stand on this right. this is not acceptable for my heart to feel safe right yeah. Yeah. The cool down period gives you time to decide your stance on the true right. conversation. And it removes the emotion. One thing, our th- like, the we both saw a massage therapist at different times. And one thing she had recommended 
Um, Because, y'all, when you start going to therapy, if you, like, each go to therapy on your own or together, you're going to have disagreements at home because you're both healing in different ways through different things. So you both got different shit going on that you're trying to, like, openly understand in each other. And it's hard when you're dealing with your own stuff. So just be prepared for that in general. But one thing that the um, our therapist had said, massage therapist had said, Rochelle, she's a bomb-ass bitch. But anyway, <laughs> Rochelle had said, um, she was like, you need to create a word. And we have created so many words we always forget. Yeah, It I never just, works. We I, just talk I, about the word. Every time I just say leprechaun. <laughs> that is the word, actually. For one uh, of the them. The most recent one. Yeah, I don't know which one it is. <laughs> but um, she's like, create a word whenever you feel emotionally charged in your conversations. Because you can't have a condu- like a conducive argument or like a productive argument if you are emotionally charged because then you start speaking those hateful things to create space or to create an emotional like response back. So like leprechaun, whatever it was actually supposed to mean, is like the word that we say whenever we're like getting pissy pretty much. Like, all right. When the conversation is no longer going to be productive. Right. It's like, all right, we need to step back, take 10. Grab candy bar, take a drink, go play a game, to pet the dogs, do something, and then come back. All right. Um, give advice on living together and loving through PTSD and anxiety. Um, accepting that there's going to be more bad days than good. That. Oh, that's like a. It's like a good valuable. It's, I mean, that's life that, Mm -hmm. I mean, just in general, that's life, but you also are now taking on the other person's bad days and Mm -hmm. they have more bad days because they have triggers Mm -hmm. and you might not have those, but as long as you can start to acknowledge that they exist and Either just, you know, saying it, having the conversation, maybe it needed if it's needed, but just, you know, acknowledging that they do exist and that they are going to pop up out of nowhere most of the time. And every once in a while, something that you thought you worked through is going to resurface with probably a little bit uglier of a face and you have to work through that problem again and you just, you have to accept that. Instead of climbing a hill, you got a hill with a backpack on. Yeah. It's a little bit of extra weight that you have to be willing to bear for that other person until they are able to bear it themselves. Definitely. And I I shouldn't say by themselves because the whole idea is to be there for each other because I'm not, I was not always all in one piece either. And you had to shoulder the burden of me. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not saying that I'm... You know, I'm never going to say that I am all one piece all the time. That's impossible. You know, we just had a conversation, you know, a couple weeks ago where I needed the full recharge where I was completely depleted and I have been in way worse states where I was just shattered and you had to put me back together. Both people are going to have ups and downs constantly. Some of them are going to be deeper. Some of them are going to be higher. You just have to be willing to acknowledge and try, do some research, uh, anything you can to try to just have a leg up for the next time it comes around or the next time it comes around for you. 
Right. The next time, whatever it is, the PTSD trigger, mm-hmm. the mental, emotional thing that you're dealing with. Um, and I would say as far as from the person dealing with the anxiety or the depression or the PTSD triggers, um, finding whatever way or mode of communication you are most comfortable with slash works the best with the person that you love or that you live with, that you're trying to process with. Um, I personally, it's not very difficult for me to come up with words. I'm just a talker. I'm a writer. Those things just come to me more naturally. Um, But I know that for the two of us, it's not always easy to just spit the words out. So maybe we we'll start to talk about it and then we'll do something and then we'll come back to it a little bit later. Or, um, for other people, I know maybe if they've got a lot on their plate and they don't know how it will be received, they might, um, journal it or video record it or voice record it and then sit down and share it with the person that they love later or let the person listen to it on their own or read it on their own. Um, I think that, right. Yeah. An unsent text message I feel like was something that I used to do too. I don't quite remember, but. I feel like that was something I used to do for myself was like an unsent text message was it was almost like a it was always a builder like a like a morning yeah, what's the word I'm like like more like morning motivation almost where like you have to start off on that good foot so you have an unsent text message that was a long thing right at the end of the night so that you didn't have to try to oh, put... Oh, yeah, yeah, I was trying to understand what you are oh, talking sorry. about. Oh, no, sorry. I guess good. I didn't really put it together well, but... You um, were saying, yeah, I, I would, would ask send, you for a text Yeah, you before I went I to work to yep. or whatever after, it was, was where you have to do a little bit of planning ahead and I would have a nice, you know, thing to wake up to in the morning and when I would be leaving in the morning, finally, I would just have to set, send and I wouldn't have to break my morning routine of getting all my stuff together and getting out the door and then feel frustrated that I couldn't think of the words. Like it was just a little bit. I never knew you did it that way. That's so cute. Um, I mean, that's, that's just a little something you had to think ahead of. And I think that was something you asked me for. I did. Yeah. It was when I was in college and we were doing long distance, um, which was really fucking hard. I'm just going to go ahead and say that right now. It sucked. Um, (laughs) He was working crazy hours, like nights and whatever. But that was something that when my anxiety would be really bad, um, like getting up and starting my day at school, I yeah, would just because, ask him the yeah. night. Yep, I would just ask him the night before, like, "Hey, um, like, if you have time, will you like sh- make sh- like shoot me something in the morning to wake up to, so that I'm not waking up to an empty phone in an empty room or with an empty emotionally, whatever. I didn't ever well, have yeah, very you great have. surroundings, <laughs> um, but. It was something that we could communicate about beforehand that he could do for me, take a little bit of time to have so that I could start my foot, my leg off on the right foot, my day off on the right foot. Um, But I think, too, like I was saying before, just the communication piece, just really learning to say like, hey, I know it might not make sense right now, but this is something that I need or this is something that I need us to talk about or focus on. Um, you know, this is a trigger for me. And while it sounds really fucking stupid or, or in, in chances are, if you're talking to a person you love, they're going to say, it doesn't sound really fucking stupid. That's just your mind telling you that. But, um, you'll be able to kind of communicate about those things that are more sensitive. I also want to say, this is my plug and don't say I never gave you nothing. Cause this is it. 
You need to do the love languages test with the person that you love. We, that, I swear to you, I feel like that saved our asses. And I feel like it saved a couple of relationships that we've like suggested it to. Because when you take the love languages test, you realize that you've been giving this one kind of love. You're just throwing it at people like freaking noodles at the wall. Just like, take my love, you assholes. Like, I'm throwing it at you. Why don't you feel it? And you realize, as I'm like smacking Andrew, I'm sorry. (laughs) um, And you realize that... Not everybody feels love like you feel love. So you're just like throwing some random foreign shit at people, wondering why they don't feel loved by you. And meanwhile, you f- do the love languages test and you're like, oh, your I've love language is acts you. of service <laughs> and words of affirmation are at the very bottom. So me just talking at you overwhelms the shit out of you. And I've done literally nothing for you because I'm a lazy bum. (laughs) That was pretty much where we were at in our relationship when we took the love languages test. Like Andrew has acts of service really high up on his love languages, which is like doing stuff together or doing things for each other, being appreciated for the things that you do. I was not a very appreciative person when we first started dating. And I was, I have words of affirmation really high up. He has physical touch really high up. High up. I'm pretty sure mine was like a gifts thing. Andrew mm-hmm. hates holidays and birthdays. He's like not somebody who cares about like Hallmark stuff like that. So just like a variety of different things. And until we understood how the other one liked to be loved. Yeah. We were just pretty much monkeys beating our chests and throwing sticks at each other, <laughs> which is a quote that I read somewhere. I don't know the, the author, but um, so, yeah, that's the advice there. Um, we have two left. I know we're kind of, we're getting a little long. I'm sorry. Um, being in a marriage requires parts of your lives and interests to mesh. What parts of your life do you choose to keep separate? Wow. I like that question. Um, I'm not entirely sure where the best people to ask that question because I, I mean, other than realistically like gaming that that would be it because you get triggered when i'm sitting there having a good time and it's not (laughs) having a good time with you so you left the room okay (laughs) he's referring to when i moved my office in to share his gaming room and there were just some time your girl struggles to focus okay so like i moved in there because like i said i'm an energy leech but in the best way i swear i refuel the energy (laughs) makes me sound so terrible (laughs) But I really do get refueled by being around him creatively, especially. So I swear, it's just like my heart lights on fire and then I'm like, yeah, do. Um, but he would like get really excited about his gaming and like yell or giggle really loud with his friends. And like, I love it. I never wanted to be like, yo, quit being so damn obnoxious, even though sometimes I did. Um, so then I moved. I like I didn't move, but I stopped using <laughs> the, the office as much. So that's what he's referring to. Um, but I would say... Not even sort of our friends, but not really. After so long, our friends become like part of the fam for the most right. part. And they like intertwine. But our hobbies, um, like we, Andrew's like really into gaming. He like, he's into his, like he loves sharpening knives. He like, it's just like random things that you like to do. Um, and I like, I've, I feel like all my stuff revolves around like photos and things like that. But um yeah, you're right. Maybe we're not the best we're not, couple for that. No, we used to like No, really our hobbies is it. 
I'm like a pretty invasive person. Pretty much. I'm an invasive species. <laughs> I take over my surroundings. Um, As depicted by the piles of stuff everywhere. Hey. <laughs> Rude. Yeah, it's true. Though. I can't deny it. Okay. So then the last question, which I love this one, and I, it's one of the ones that I'm most excited for. Um, but someone said, I'm so curious why a wedding photographer would choose to elope. And I uh, feel like no, go ahead. there are like a gazillion answers to this question. We both feel pretty passionately about it. Andrew just adjusted his stance or his sitting stance <laughs> so that he could speak more clearly at the <laughs> mic. Um, so first and foremost, as a wedding photographer, I have been to a lot of weddings. I have photographed a lot of weddings. I have gotten close with a lot of couples going through their wedding days. And because of that gift, I have been able to very closely um, kind of, I don't want to say study because that sounds weird, but like pay attention to what parts of those days I valued and like literally like lit my heart on fire and which parts of it just stressed me the fuck out watching people worry about. Like, because if you've never planned a wedding or if you have, like, if you haven't, you're going to be about to see if you don't elope. But if you have, then you understand. Like, there is just so much to focus on if you allow yourself to focus on it. And Andrew and I have been together for, it was eight years in April. And we just decided, like, literally just decided last September that we were going to get married. Like, it was so quick. We decided in September, got married in October. Um it's just something for us. Like we clearly did not do that for anybody else. Like if we would have gotten married for everybody else, we would have gotten married like three years in, we would have had kids already. We would have bought a house like 12 years ago, even though we just met eight years ago. Like if you do what everybody else wants you to do or thinks is a norm, like you are going to lose yourself and you're going to hate each other because you don't have any common, like common ground that you're building on together. You're just mocking and like taking on like a chameleon like everything around you that everyone else is like pushing on you um but I think too because we had waited so long like we knew that we didn't really care what everybody else wanted I mean that that sounds harsh but like if we valued what everybody else wanted more than what we wanted we knew we would have already have done it you know and we knew too that the way that everybody else does weddings is so not true to us. Like we are not a groups of people person. We're we're groups of people, people. We're not spend a lot of crazy money on decorative stuff. Like, I mean, I like decorative things when they're like functional, but we're not just like our house doesn't get decked out in like all the random decorative things. Like we're just Mm -hmm. not really like that. But also because I know, and I'll let Andrew talk after just dominating this answer, but um, it called to me as the wedding photographer, just word vomited. Um, But I also know that Andrew has a very low tolerance for bullshit. Um, And there's a lot of bullshit that goes along with planning a wedding. Let's just be honest, like $18,000 venues, that's some bullshit. So um, I just think, and I'm not saying like there's not value in that, I'm just Whatever, that's my personal opinion. Um, But I did not want to start planning a wedding that, let's be honest, I've been waiting for for like six years. Um, Just to have Andrew rage quit and be like, fuck this, I'm not doing this because this is stupid and not us. Like, why are we doing this? Um, But yeah, how about you, honey? Why do you, what's your thoughts? Uh, Main reason, I don't give a 
fuck what people think about me. <laughs> I never have and never will. And anybody that knows me truly will tell you that there is probably not too many people that truly don't care what you have to say about me. I've been ridiculed for way less and there is nothing about um I'm sorry for all you religious people but there is nothing about that day that is about those two people getting married that it is nothing about the love that those people you might talk about it and some bullshit you mean all the details and stuff all of everything else is Following along to a tradition that is built around pleasing everybody else. I went to so many money in a very expensive industry. I went to too many weddings where I watched a buddy or whatever situation was a family member, a cousin, whatever, just be stressed out and pacing around trying to make sure that everybody else was having a good time and i seen that a couple too many times to realize that there is no with my people pleasing attitude that i would ever you'd never be able to enjoy yourself i would never be able to enjoy myself because even like when i hosted parties like that's just the i want everybody to have a good time so why that doesn't seem true to my wedding day. That that mm-hmm. should be about the love that and relationship that we have created and sculpted and you know brought to that brought point. to a point where we decided we were gonna get married and we were going to do it under our circumstances. Mm-hmm. And it had no impression on what anybody else thought. We I didn't I didn't even want to tell anybody until literally we were doing it. Like, to where the point where we were walking up and getting married within five minutes. I wasn't going to tell a single person because my true private life was, is me and you. And I don't care to share what stage we're in with anybody around us. It didn't matter to me. So it's like we didn't get engaged. It's just, it's not, it was never about any of that. It was just about us and I wouldn't have had it any other way and there's I would assume that I had a lot of influence on the fact that we didn't do something like a gen like a a general tradition yeah traditional wedding yeah I would agree well and I think too that um as you I offer an expensive service in the wedding industry like my photography is an investment in your day. So I have had to look at weddings from the perspective of what do I value most about this day? So what I valued most about the day was us getting to do it, us getting to do it out in nature so that it wasn't at a stuffy courthouse where everyone in town would find out about it before anybody that we loved. I wanted it to be at sunset because golden hour is it like all we want. And I wanted to have a pretty dress, and I wanted to have pretty hair. And I had my girl, Vittoria, she did my hair. And I bought a beautiful dress on Etsy that I'm absolutely obsessed with. And the most expensive thing was my ring. And even that was like a third of what a lot of people pay for rings. 
And I think that, like, it was just, it wasn't about, we didn't pay for a venue. We didn't pay mm-hmm. for seating for people. We didn't pay to feed people, which, like, we're going to do a vows and party next year. And, like, we'll probably do something to feed some people. It won't be it won't be traditional. I can fucking tell you that right now. It'll be some mini weenies yeah. and <laughs> mashed potatoes and corn. But, like, the most expensive part of that day when we redo it for our friends and family will be our photographer and our videographer. And that will be the part of that day that's for us. Like the rest of the party will be for our friends for and family else that we come. left out. Yeah. Yep. We did it for us the first time. And that was what mattered. We knew we want, if we were going to de- finally do it after not doing it for so long, it was just going to be for us and only us. We were sad we couldn't bring our dogs, but we knew they'd be wild. That was the only part of the day that we didn't get that we wanted was yeah. to be able to share with our dogs, honestly. Um, and so I think that the biggest thing, my, my best answer to that question, other than every all the good things that Andrew said, are that we had to decide what we prioritized. Yeah, we had, I feel like that you, we had to strip away all of the outside Extras. influences. Mm-hmm. Like you had to like, if you can look at something and go, the first question you ask is, why would you do that? Or why would you have that? Scrap it. Right. Gone. See ya. Why spend money on it? If it and if I, and honestly, the amount of people that have that I've heard talk about the price of centerpieces or the price of I, all of it. Tablecloths. Like I I get it. Tablecloth, whatever. Like there's just so many different things that money goes into that's like, do does it really matter to you? Like, is that really going to contribute to your love story being truer and authentic to you and more genuine? Like, just think about, and, and another thing is, and I am not, sh- we are not shaming people who did their wedding any other way. It's supposed to be the way it's you want it. It's supposed to be true yeah. to, you, to you, whatever you, you want what you it value. to be. But for me... I don't want, we, we value being smart with our money. We both like to buy nice things when they suit our hobbies or our passions or our functions, but we didn't want to start our marriage like that in a bunch of debt either. There are people who have to take out loans just to cover the facilities that they use for their weddings. That, to me, also was a priority. I wanted to start out our married life financially sound and in a smart way. And I think that that's something that you just, again, it comes back to what you value. And I think it comes down to being mindful. Just mindful of what actually matters and not wasting time and money for a show that doesn't matter to you. Yep. Um, okay, so let's sum it all up real quick and sweet for all these humans that stuck around for this long. Um no. Establish some boundaries. Yeah. Find your boundaries. Finding your own boundaries. Establish them. Speak them out. And be true to yourself. And find ways to communicate. Like you have to you have to find a common ground to communicate. Whether it's a word that you say when you know you need it or Whatever you have to do to create the headspace to listen to the person that you love, you need to do it if you value them and the relationship that you have. Like, screaming at each other is not fucking it. Like, you can't... Yes, yelling is going to happen. It's, like, it's a part of 
human confrontation. But you have to learn how to also have some throttle. healthy, yeah, some throttle for yourself and some healthy conversations. Because without it, you're fucking doomed. You might as well just throw in the towel. If you can't learn to communicate on the same page with each other, you might as well throw in the towel because you're just toxic for yourself and everyone else around you, truthfully. Yeah. Um, and if you're going to live with each other, regardless of what you... Um, regardless of how your lives are different from each other, you have to be ready to take on some of the weight and the the life characteristics of the person that you love because cohabitating is yeah. what it's all about. It's a thing. You can't mesh lives if without meshing lives. Yeah, without meshing lives. Yeah, that was cool. Thank you for listening. We have some extra questions that were submitted that we weren't able to fit in because we knew we would talk for a while. We're already up to an hour episode. So we will eventually record a part two episode to Q&As after we've had enough time to recover from all of this talking in each other's face and sharing germs. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, and also I'll be pulling this guy in here for his opinions and feedback um, on other topics as well in the future. So we hope that you enjoyed listening to us gab. Um you can give me any feedback, any questions, talk any more about any of these topics. Um, let me know how they go. If you chat on anything with the people you love in your lives, um, we can connect on Facebook on Souls Undress Podcast Community and Souls Undress Podcast on Instagram. Thank you so, so, so much for listening. I cannot wait to chat with you again next weekend. I hope you have the best week ever. Bye, everybody.